Hello and welcome to the Take Charge podcast number 14, the five reasons why you aren't getting better at golf. So I'm to, I'm joined today with my co-host Andy Proudman. I'm Piers Ward and this is something we wanted to speak about for a long time. Lots of content, lots of reasons why you're not getting better at golf. You're not going to want to miss this. Right then, five reasons why you are not getting better at golf. Now the thing with this is we have got five there will be multiple, multiple reasons. It's actually been really difficult to actually narrow this down to five, hasn't it, Andy? It has. And I think, you know, obviously the ones that we're picking are the ones that we see a lot. Now, yeah. the good thing with this is if you're listening to this, we are pretty sure that if you're not doing the first one, for instance, that one of your playing partners probably is. So what we'd like you to do is to, if you want to, if you want to help them get better as well, is to share with them as well to see if you can improve their golf. So Andy, let's start off with the first one. Number one, you are working on the wrong technical things. Am I? You are. <laughs> so, and I tell you what, this is something that we could be very guilty of as well, because we're probably in a world now of social media, and this is actually a, a good point for a lot of people that, you know, you want to make your golf swing look aesthetically pleasing, yeah? Now, Actually, we all know that the most important thing with the golf swing is, does it work? Can it repeat? Yeah. But I think a lot of people really do struggle with pinpointing what they need to change yeah. and then how they should change it. I think so. And I think, look, I'd say the majority of people who come for lessons, um, I mean, to put a number on this, Pierce, I would probably say that 95% of people who come for lessons um, are thinking about the wrong things and working at the wrong things. Because unless they've had some good quality coaching already, but let's say somebody comes to us for the first time and they have a, a thought on their golf swing, more than likely um, it's the wrong thought. And then when we take them through something and we show them um, their golf swing, we help them understand, they often go, oh, I've never really thought of that. Mm -hmm. um, example of this is uh, one of my students the other day, I quickly got him in for a, before the medal on the weekend. He says, I'm really struggling with my golf swing. Um, I'm not hitting it very well. Can you come and help me out? Um, so he gets on the... Uh, the grass on Saturday morning and he's doing a drill for his backswing and he says yeah he says, I think my backswing's gone off so I've been working at my backswing now I put him on camera you know and just show him that actually his backswing was really really good um, and his downswing was the problem he wasn't really rotating enough he was having too much lateral movement in the downswing but he's there working at something that didn't need to be worked on um, so the problem isn't getting better you know, yeah. So if he was to spend a month working on his backswing, well, he's probably going to have a really nice looking backswing. <laughs> but the problem is he's not really going to see an improvement yeah. because his attention is completely the wrong place. And I think this is something that, like I said, that we see so many times that you know, people are doing the wrong thing. And I think there's numerous reasons for this, Pierce. Um, partly what you said. Mm -hmm. Some people just want to make the golf swing look nice. Well, he'll have some great Instagram posts on that day, won't he? Oh, yes, so he exactly. He probably didn't break 80, but he'll exactly. have some great Instagram posts for that day. So it's like, you know, some people want to make their golf swing look nice. Now, you know, you can work on making it look nice. doesn't mean it's going to improve and get better. Um, also, a big reason for this, Pierce, is you know what it's like on the golf course um, when you're playing with your friends and maybe not so much us now, but, you know, certainly at, the go at a sort of membership golf club where... You know, Steve's teeing off, or he's played three holes, and his friend says to him, "Oh, you're, you're doing this, or your backswing's looking like this, or you're lifting your head up, or, or whatever it might mm -hmm. be." Your friend's advice tends to influence what you focus on, and I think you, you know, people tend to listen to their friends, especially if they're maybe a lower handicap than yep. them as well, because they think, well, 
they're having lessons maybe and, yeah. and they must know a little bit about that but the problem is a lot of these guys tend to I suppose regurg regurgitate that's it yeah, regurgitate got, it. got that out um, lessons that they've had yeah and then put it onto somebody else and we all know that everybody's very different so I think you've got to be careful what you listen to from your friends can because it can be very damaging and I think you know you really need a clear focus to be able to actually make those improvements and if you're thinking the wrong things then you are doing the wrong things and i think we spoke about this in the you know the traits of a tour pro and yeah. you know tour pros are very good at not listening to other people so they are good at doing that amateur some golfers generally some of them <laughs> tour, uh, amateur golfers generally listen as you say to their friends and yes yeah, so it's, it's definitely a very valid point i think the one thing that that i definitely see a lot is that you can do a golf lesson, you can get someone hitting the ball brilliantly, they work at the drill, they do really well, you see them a month later <laughs> and you say, have you been working at the drill? Yeah, great, I've been doing that. But then they say, well, maybe it's not quite going as well as it was just after the lesson. I say, okay, is there anything else you're working at? And then suddenly <laughs> they ream off four or five other things. Yeah. And you go, well, hang on a bit. You worked well with that drill, that work, it worked for you, and then suddenly you're now putting other things into the mix, which yeah. may be right, but you're doing it at the wrong time. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that, that, that I would say on this is that we're not patient as golfers. We don't want to take our time to do something. If we do a drill once and it works, we think that's it. We don't oh, need to do it again. Exactly. I've had one practice session doing that drill. Right. You know what, we're seeing it now in the Break 100 coaching plan that we've just launched. You know, we're getting amazing results with it. And people are actually saying to us, well, I'm doing my best to be patient and go week by week, but I really want to go ahead because yeah, it's working yeah. so well. Yeah. You know, when it's working well, guess what? Keep doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Do not try and put anything else into the mix. So you just need to be very patient with those changes. Sometimes those changes, you know, don't work straight away. But as long as you can believe in them, and I think this is the thing, you know, you've got to say to yourself, if you have a golf lesson or you see uh, something online which has a little bit of effect or you, you just, just make sense to you, stick to it you know work at it stick to it until you can really see that it's been solidified then move on to the next thing yeah it's creating a habit in the golf thing isn't it ultimately like you say one practice session doing one thing isn't going to ingrain a new movement yeah you might do some good work to it but it's going to take a good few weeks to to make that a um and a, and a few thousand balls to make that become a habit so you haven't got to think about yeah. it and i think like you said pierce people are really impatient and i think yes. patience is so so key um they're quickly to jump from one thing to the next and want to sort of advance it very quickly, but the problem is then they're actually, they go backwards because they're not focusing on that one clear thing that's actually, if they just focus, double down on that for the next month, one thing, they're going to see massive improvement. Yeah. It doesn't seem almost, it almost seems too easy to, that does, that we yeah. should just think about the one thing, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's key that they do. And I think, you know, another reason is just, just too many swing thoughts. You know, the, the way the world is now with so much, information available and you know online coaching and instruction out there that it's just so easy to to let's say watch a video yeah. and then say okay i'm gonna go to the driving range and work at three or four things and you know three or four things are just aren't just going to do it and i think i heard something the other day it was the guy who chases two rabbits catches none you know and you think to yourself well if you can if you can just chase that one rabbit that one rabbit what you're after then there's a good chance that you're going to actually catch it and do something good as opposed to actually trying to chase two or three different things. And we sell rabbits at myandmygolf.com, so make sure that's the only place that you go for your <laughs> online instruction. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, boys and girls. Had to get that in. Okay, look, hey, so look, I think that, look, the take-homes from this are, you know, as Andy just said, let's start with that. Focus on one thing. Create 
the good patterns, the good movements, the good habits with that one thing, and then move on from there. Okay, make sure you solidify that first. Quick one on that one thing. Make sure that one thing isn't from a friend. Make sure you know exactly what that one thing is, because if it's the wrong thing that you're focusing on, yeah. even if it's one thing, then it's still going to be the wrong thing. And it has to be the most important thing. It definitely. So you have to look at, is it going to change the ball flight? Is it going to give you your needs? Is yeah. it going to make the, the shop that you hate and you're scared of um, change? Yeah. If you can do that, then you're on the right, right track for sure. Uh, the next thing, you obviously, you mentioned as well is don't listen to your friends. Now, obviously, sometimes your friends can help you with advice, but when it comes to technical golf swing changes, it'll generally be something that they've done themselves. Yeah. Now, it could be a one in ten that it could work for you. You don't, but they're, they're trying to help you. I don't like those odds. They're not very good, are they? <laughs> I totally made them up as well, but I would say that's pretty, pretty close. Probably far. Um, but I, I would, you know, listen to what they say, but don't necessarily, you know, work at what they say. You know, so take it in and think, does that really apply to me? Definitely don't try and do it straight on the golf course. You know, just take stock of things afterwards and see if you think it's a good idea. And confirm, you know, if somebody said, one of your friends says something and you do have lessons and coaching, Maybe just have a chat with your coach and say, this guy said something to me, is it right? And your coach will confirm whether it's the right thing to do or if it's wrong advice. And then, generally then, you're going to start to realise that, that listening to your friends isn't necessarily yeah. a good idea because the coach is there to, to really help and be a soundboard for getting you to think right. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. So basically book a golf lesson as well. Yeah. You know, Get yourself a lesson with someone who you can actually get on with. You'll know that within the first 10 minutes of working with somebody, whether you whether you like them as a person or you feel that it can be a good working relationship. Um, and then just say, well, look, you know, don't just sort of come out of that lesson and think you know what he said or she said to you. Come out of that lesson with the absolute clarity on what they have said to you to make sure that you have not got it wrong. Because the last thing you want to do is two weeks later when you go for that second golf lesson is misunderstood what they've told you. Yeah. You know, you, we always say to our clients at the end of the lesson, you know, tell me what you've learned today. You know, what have you actually learned today? We want to make sure when they go away that they're working at the right things. If they tell their friends or they think that they're working on something that we didn't tell them, that's our fault. That's not the client's fault. That's definitely our fault as a coach. I think that's a really good point. I think, just to quickly finish on that then, the, the, the one focus that you are having, you should fully, clearly understand exactly why you are doing that change. If it's not you know, really clear why you're doing that change, and, and if you're not sure, ask your coach, you know, what is this going to do to the ball flight? What is this going to do to the game? So you can fully understand, and, and the clarity then, will be so much easier to move forward. Yeah, I like it, I like it. That's a really, really important one. All right, as they all are. Number two, you are blaming external things. Andy, what are external things? Oh, I, I love this one because I th we all know this person. I can think of probably three or four people. Um, what, what, comes in the to last mind. group that you played? <laughs> uh, potentially, potentially, yeah. I mean, look, blaming other things. So having excuses and complaining about things that you can't, you can't control. So. Um, things like the greens, you know, how many people come off the course and say, oh, I played terrible today, but the greens were awful, I couldn't roll a putt in, and I had so many bad bounces, or the weather just wasn't right, or I had so much bad luck, and, you know, I got stuck behind a tree, and, you know, these moaners, Pierce, these complainers. Moaners? These oh, moaners, you're having a rant. Well, I'm having a moan because, you know, nobody wants to hear it, for, you know, for, for a start. Nobody really cares how bad your golf is. Um, but you know, so many people come in after the round pierce and blame other things. They, you know, they blame the weather, they blame the conditions, they blame the, their playing partners for, for putting them off or whatever it might be. And the problem is with this is when you're in this mentality, 
you don't really then look to yourself to actually make a change because you're blaming everything externally. So if you're blaming everything else, it's not your fault. So you don't look at yourself to actually make a change. And I think, you know, ultimately, every time you're going to go out, you're going to have some bad luck or the greens are going to be maybe not quite how you like them or, you know, something's not going to go how you want it to. But that is something you can't control. And I think that you have to take full responsibility because as soon as you accept full responsibility and think that everything is your fault, then that is the the power that you need to actually then start to make a change. You'll look to yourself to make the change as opposed to actually look at other people to blame. And we all know that person. You know, I'm, I'm sure I've done it in the past, but you need to be aware if this is you and you listen, you're listening to this and you come in from your round and you blame the greens and you blame the weather and you blame the bad bounces. The first step is just understanding that that isn't going to do your golf any good at all. I can talk for the next hour on this if you want me to. (laughs) Uh, Let's just give you a couple of examples. Look, I obviously 100% agree with everything you just said there. I think we've got some great examples, but ultimately you've got to think of the mindset that you have as a golfer when you are saying these things to yourself. So we always say that if you're a caddy, so let's just say that Dave has a caddy. And the caddy says to Dave, every time he has a bad bounce, bad bounce that was. Oh, did you hear that bloke talking on your backswing? Yeah. Did you see that seagull go across your... You know, the, you as the player are going to say to the caddy, please shut up, leave me alone, I don't want to hear those things. But guess what? We haven't got caddies, generally speaking, and we are saying these things to ourselves. So I, I had a lesson just the other day. I had a lesson just the other day, and he spoke a lot about how he couldn't believe that the golfer he was playing with would shoot better scores than him. So he was very focused on the fact that someone else was, and this is a little bit off, but I mean, he was basically focusing on what someone else's golf was doing, yeah. and he was beating him by five or six shots, and he felt he was as good a player as him. And I says, well, actually, you know what? If you actually focus that hard on what he's doing, maybe if you focus on yourself, you'd probably be beating him. So yeah. it could be as simple as that. I had a, one really good example. It's, 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 it's definitely along the blame game. Um, a client of mine, he was a good golfer, he was a single figure golfer, he would um, do brilliantly on his practice sessions, on his lessons he was brilliant, he made some amazing changes, he was not reducing his handicap. So I'm like, I've got to sort this out. So I actually drove, I think it was an hour and a half to get to his golf course and actually played golf with him, played nine holes with him. I know, I played 18 holes with him, sorry. After the first four holes, he apologised for everything that was going on on the golf course, the condition and how bad it was, and I was like, oh, this is interesting, I wonder if he's going to carry on doing this. So I waited to the ninth, and by the time he got to the ninth, he had apologised in every hole. So I actually said to him, I said, I'll call him out, Matt, I said, Matt, do you do this every time you play golf on a Saturday morning with your playing partners? He says, we do it all the time. I says, right, I says, you need to understand that if you're being negative about the golf course all the time, you're not focusing on what you're trying to do yourself. So he kind of took that on board now, especially with the hard work that he'd done and he wasn't really improving. He dropped his handicap by three shots. He actually changed his playing partners, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, That was just because he felt everything was just so negative. And basically, I banned him, very strong, but I banned him from actually talking negatively about anything. So basically, he wasn't allowed to blame any of his shots, any of his bad shots on anything to do with the condition of the golf course. And I think if you are listening to this now and you are someone who, who moans on the golf course, just have a go at stopping doing it. See what happens over the next six, seven, eight games. 
if your scores don't improve, the one thing I will guarantee is you'll feel happier. <laughs> you know, you'll yeah. feel nicer about playing golf. Yeah. The last thing you want to be doing is coming off a golf course upset with the condition of the course or your playing partners or the bad luck that you've had. Because what's yeah. the point? And do you know what? Nobody wants to listen to you complaining about that as well. And I think it, it, it is key, Pierce, isn't it? I think, you know, just being able to accept responsibility for it and, uh, and just look at yourself to do that is, uh, is massive. And, you know, I think, I think the awareness of doing it to start with is the key and understanding yeah. that actually it's just not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, there you go. So there's the take-homes for this then. Accept full responsibility. Everything is your fault, if you want to put it that way, or yeah. everything is what it is. Um, and then if you can do all this, then you'll stop to, you'll then look to fix it and stop blaming everybody else. So that, I, really, I really like that. That's the one way that everybody listening to this will know a guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or know more than one guy yeah. who comes mm. in from his round and moans about the golf course and moans about... Um, the conditions or whatever it is, and I bet you that guy isn't getting better. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Okay, number three. It's an interesting one, this one is, because we've got here your playing partners are at a different level to you. Okay, now it, it's, it's an interesting one that one, when we talk about this, Andy, if you're the best golfer in the group, we have to be careful how we do this because it's not easy. But if you're the best golfer in the group, it is hard to learn from the playing partners that you're yeah. with. So what we're not saying is that you must suddenly get rid of your playing partners. Andy might be saying that. But what we're not saying, we're not saying that you must get rid of your playing partners, but you need to learn how, to, how you're going to better yourself when you are playing golf. Because if you're the worst golfer in the group, the chances are you're going to learn off the best golfer and you're going to improve. So we always said if we have a chance to play with tall pros, we would want to play with them all the time because they're better than us and they would help us improve our game. So if we played with Aaron all the time, our golf would be better. Yeah. 100%. Now, the hard part is if you are the best player in your group, it's hard to say to your friends, I'm not playing with you because you're rubbish and you're not going to actually help me get better. But I think what you need to do is you need to look at how you can challenge yourself when you're on the golf course. Yeah, and I think, do you know, I think this depends on, I mean, this is a, this depends on the, I suppose, the level of golf you're at and the age, I would say, with this. So for, some, for somebody who, let's say, is um, 14 years old, 15 years old, who wants to make it on tour. Yep. They're playing with guys, but the guys who they're playing with aren't as good as them. Then they need to really understand that, that there might be some players who are holding them back. They're, they're, let's say they're, um, their environment or their friends that are surrounded by are holding them back. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to ditch your friends and say, I'm not speaking to you again because you're not good enough. <laughs> it just means that you actually need to seek out some better players that, and, and get out of your comfort zone a little bit to stretch and to grow and to learn. And if you put yourself in an environment that's going to help you, um, you know, being surrounded by better players is, is inevitably going to help you. And I think you know, you know, that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think if you spend the most time with people who are better than you who are going to stretch you and push you and you can learn from you are going to get better um, from a from a subconscious level it is just naturally going to grow you and I think you you need to realize this if you're somebody who wants to get on tour for instance and you're 15 years old then I would urge you to look at the people who you are surrounding with and it might sound harsh but you need to then say well, okay I need to find better people to play with um, who are going to stretch me and this is a, another good point actually Pierce as well if you look at the people you are playing with and you look at them and let's say they could be damaging you, they could be throwing clubs, they could be um, having a temper and actually making you, um, bringing you down. So 
look at your playing partners and look at what they do and you think, well, are these guys actually going to help my game and are they good for my golf? Again, it depends on the level. If you're trying to make it on tour, then it's different. If you're playing on the weekend for fun, um, then again, that brings a different thing into perspective because you just want to go out and have a laugh with, a friend, with your friends. Um, but ultimately, you know, if, if you are playing with people who are limiting your fun as yep. well, then that's something you need to address as well. But certainly, your surroundings and your environment are massively important if you want to get better. Yeah, so I, I think the, the way that you can look at this, if you're a, um, let's say a mid-level golf, let's say you're a 15 handicapper and you're the rest of the guys you're playing with are maybe five to 10 shots worse than you. I think the way that you can look at this is, well, obviously if you can mix things up from a competition point of view, you know, you can, you can play with different golfers at the golf club if you're a member of a golf club. But the other thing you can look at is, you could book a lesson once a month or every other month with the club pro or you know a playing lesson. So you can actually go on the golf course with these guys. And you know, don't, don't just think that oh, I've got to have a lesson, that means you've got to stand there and fix a slice in an hour on the range. Go on the golf course with them. Go on the golf course, take a notepad, pick their brains, you know, have all these questions sort of ready for you. And then just by literally playing with these guys, that you know, their, their talent and their knowledge and their strategies is all going to rub off on you. Now obviously, to pay for three or four playing lessons a week, is not, we're not saying that, but if you could do one a month or every other month, you can definitely improve that standard. But then there's also the way of just actually just monitoring what you're doing yourself and set yourself standards. So if you are the best golfer in the group, why don't you set yourself standards when you get out to the golf course, say, well, I'm gonna hit this many fairways today, this many greens, I'm gonna have this many pars, this many birdies, you know, set yourself those targets and always push yourself to try and achieve those, that in itself can be one of the best ways of doing it is this. And I think, you know, you're the, it's amazing what happens when you surround yourself with different people. You start to think, act, talk like they do without even actually knowing about it. And I think, like you say, if you played with Tiger Woods every week, um, Rory McIlroy, you know, you would start to move, think, talk like them, act like them. And you know what? Generally, your golf would get better because you start to play like them. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what you want. Hopefully. Okay, so again, take-homes with that, as we have said already, you know, if there's an opportunity to surround yourself with better players or even getting the odd game with better players or setting yourself targets, then it will definitely help you move towards more what they're doing and what your targets are than actually um, sort of stifling your golf. Okay, number four. You have no plan, no goals. No fans. No hope. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you've got no, no plan, you've got no goals. You've got no hope, have you really? So Andy, how many golfers do you know who have a plan? Not many. Do you have one? Um, for my golf, you probably don't, do you? At the moment, I, I don't have and, a plan. And that is just because we don't play the level of golf that we perhaps like to, because of the business that we do. We've got our other, um, you know, we've got other parts of our life. Golf is a massive part of our life, but we just don't get to play it as much. So because we don't get to play it as much, it becomes less of a focus and there's less of a plan. I have a plan for, um, not a, not a long-term plan for my game because I'm not playing regularly enough, but as things crop up, let's say, um, for instance, we're away in a couple of weeks. Yep. In, uh, we're gonna be in Orlando. Um, and I know we're gonna be playing. I will have a plan for the next two weeks in order to get my game sharp for that. But because of that, our golf is sporadic, Pierce, that it comes you know, every now and again in terms of the type of golf we're going to play, um, it's not a main focus for us. And we're not competing at a high level to, you know, to play and win money. 
Um, we're not playing that regular enough to, to make it work. If I was playing every week and I was playing in tournaments, I would 100% have a plan and a long-term plan as well at that. Um, but it's amazing to me that the amount of golfers who want to get better, um, but they do the same things. They go to the range, they work at the, they work at actually just hitting golf balls, expecting to get better, with no plan, with no uh, technical work, and they just expect that if they turn up to the range and play once a week, their golf will get better. Yeah. But they've got no real direction, no goals, no dates in mind to actually work towards. Um, you know, and I think that's it's amazing with the power of actually putting a date in the diary and putting a plan together to reach that date or reach that goal, the power of how it pulls you towards the goal as opposed to you just going through the motions. So you're absolutely right. And I think every client that we have will encourage to create a plan for success. Now, the main thing is really we can do the whole plan for people, but if you do, if we as coaches do the whole plan for people, it's very difficult for the students, the clients, to, to follow through with it. The, the, the student, the client, will know how many hours a week they have to, to dedicate to this. And it may only be two hours a week, one hour a week, but at least have a plan. So if you're, if you're listening to this now going, well, I only get a chance to practice once every two weeks, just make sure you have a plan when you do, when you do go and practice. Don't go there, like Andy says, and just hit golf balls. Make sure, you know, whatever your desire is in golf, say, I want to stop my slice, that you figure out how to stop the slice and then work at it. You know, it's amazing. These, even if you have lots of little plans, they very much compound into creating more of a master plan. So over time, you know, you'll just develop yourself as a golfer. So it can be something from a very simple, I want to stop my slice in the next couple of weeks, to I want to reduce my handicap by five shots over the course of a year. And I think unless you have that plan, it just isn't going to work. It isn't. And I think, you know, Having that date, you know, booking a date <clears throat> in terms of the date when you want to achieve the goal, but being accountable to somebody, being accountable to your coach or being accountable to your friend or whatever it is, is massively important to keep you on track. And, um, you know, talking of plans, Piers, we'll talk a little bit about the Break 100 because I think it's, a, it's an interesting, um, I suppose, plan that we've put together recently. And... We, put, we spent a long time doing this and we're, the key thing we wanted to do with this was keep it very simple. And we, We've launched this Break 100 Coaching Plan, which is a six-week plan that we've put on our website. And we've been going through some comments this morning and it's actually really surprising of the comments because there were two guys, one comment that you answered, Pierce, a guy who was off eight, and a guy who I answered who was off nine, who had actually been taking part in the Break 100 plan. Now, obviously, they don't need to break 100, but they actually just felt they wanted... A plan. They wanted something to follow for six weeks that they could focus on that's going to help their golf. And mm -hmm. I think it's amazing to actually see that somebody who is a single figure handicap yep. actually wanted to follow the Break 100 plan and they're saying it's actually helping them yep. because it's a focus as opposed yep. to that they're off eight, they have six weeks of not doing anything at all mm -hmm. apart from hitting balls and playing golf. Well, look, they're going to see some improvement by having something to follow for a certain period of time. So, um, this is the reason that we actually we're going to create these plans for people now, Pierce, because it gives them a structure, it gives them a a time, and ultimately there's a focus there to improvement. And um, I'm excited about the Break 100 plan and, and the feedback it's got so far, and um, and what it's going to do for people. And yeah. I think it's, there's a great message in what we've produced there because you know give yourself a time, set yourself a plan, go and find yourself a coach, and 
find someone accountable that you can actually say, right, I'm going to do this in these six weeks, and maybe even reward, reward yourself with uh, you know, treating yourself to a game of golf somewhere nice if you do achieve what you want to set out to achieve. But um, it really is key. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it can be very simple. It seems like an effort, but literally, as soon as you finish this podcast, get your phone out, put, go into the notes section and write down what you want to do in golf, then figure out how you're going to do that. And I'll tell you what, you can probably do it within 10 minutes. Yeah, do you know, definitely. And I think m- most of the guys listen to this, they will probably have um, an idea in their mind what they want to do. Oh, yeah, I'd like to get single figures. Yeah. So that will be floating around somewhere in their brain. I want to get single figures this year. But unless you actually, and it's, there's a, a massively powerful thing if you actually write stuff down. So as opposed to just being floating around in your mind, actually sit down, write down your goals, write down the dates, and write down how you're going to get to there. And I think once you've written it down, once it's out your head, it actually becomes reality when you write it down on paper. And this is something that, that myself, I do every single year, probably more than once a year, is write stuff down on paper, things that I want to achieve. And it's amazing when you look back how you achieve those goals, but because, because you've got them out of your mind and you put them on paper, all of a sudden then they're a reality and uh, gives you a focus on moving towards them. There's one thing missing from that. You need to get a big fridge magnet and stick it to the fridge so the whole family can see this is my plan. And go. they will be telling you every day, how's it going, the plan? How's yep. the plan going? How's the plan going? There's accountability. There you go. Okay, so as we just said there, the take-homes on this, definitely you know, have a plan, write it down and take action. Make sure you put the dates to when you want to achieve these plans by. Now, it's not all plain sailing. We know that. You know, It can take some time to get there, but this is where these plans can be fluid. But if you have a... Date, it doesn't have, uh, put, the, put, put the emphasis on it. I wouldn't say pressure, puts the emphasis on doing it. Right, number five, the last one. You don't know what you are bad at. Okay, here is the scenario. A golfer comes for a golf lesson or asks us questions online and says, I am slicing the golf ball and I know why I'm slicing it because I'm doing this. So I then, you know, we then look at that and we go, okay, well, right. Um, the, the reason that you've said that you are slicing the golf ball is actually maybe a, a, a tenth of what's causing you to slice it, but this is nowhere near the right thing to be thinking about. The next scenario is they say to us, they come to us and they say, I'm driving the golf ball really badly. Okay, and you look at their driving and you go, well, yeah, you've, you know, let's say, let's watch you at 10 or 12 shots or you go on the golf course with them and you go, well, actually, yeah, you did hit that one tee shot on third, which is really bad. You hit probably five others that weren't great, but they were not really giving any problems. But then you look at it and go, well, your short game is actually pretty bad. You know, or, you know, your irons, the striking on your irons is actually what's causing you to drop these shots because you're mishitting your irons a lot more than you think you are. You know, the fact that you're not hitting it out of bounds when you miss hit a seven iron, yeah. but the fact that you're missing a seven iron chipping and then two putting every single time because you're not getting it on the green, these are the real reasons why you are not getting better and that's why you're not, you know, so, so basically by not knowing what you're bad at, the most important things are what you're bad at, you really are limiting yourself because you can always, you know, you can be working at that one thing that you're actually pretty good at and you're trying to sort of become an expert in that one area, whereas actually there's a lot more things that you should be working at. Yeah, and I think this is hard as golf coaches, Pierce, for, for us when somebody comes to us for a lesson and we say, how can we help you? <laughs> and they say, well, my driving's really letting me down. Or, yeah, my irons are really letting me down. And 
often we take their word for it in that way because yep. you think, okay, well, let's work on their irons then. Let's take a look and see how we can improve them. And look, nine times out of ten, we are going to make some improvements on yes. that area of the game. But we will definitely get people on the golf course um, to see why their scores aren't lowering because ultimately it's, it's all about obviously getting lower scores. But we get them on the golf course and they've been working at their driving or irons or whatever it might be. And then, like you said, Pierce, we'll all of a sudden discover well, their short game is way off. Their short game is so much worse than they think it is, but because they associate, like you say, a, maybe out of bounds driver is, is like yeah. a disastrous hole, whereas a, a chip and then another chip isn't necessarily, doesn't sort of um, leave any marks on them as much. But I think that really opens our eyes, and that's really when we can see um, exactly what's going on because we look at it in a very different way. We're looking at it from an yeah. outside perspective as opposed to, um, a feeling and a lot of golfers really react on their emotions you know as opposed to actually the reality of what's going on and uh, I think a lot of the time they are focused and they have no clue of where they're bad at. Yeah I think, look, look the, the two main ways that we get around this is we get them on the golf course as soon as possible so we will get clients on the golf course as soon as possible and obviously see for ourselves what they are doing wrong make all the notes we need on them. The other thing we can do, and it depends on the person, but if often when we teach clients, they may be in a group of friends. So you know, you know that if you've, Tony's having a golf lesson, and then you know he's saying that his driving's bad, then when Lisa, who plays with Tony, is having a golf lesson, you get you quickly just ask her, "What's Tony's game like? What could he be better at?" And then suddenly, Lisa says, "Oh, Tony's putting's really bad." Yeah. And you go, oh, "Okay, that's interesting." Then you say to Tony, "You say, well, okay, Tony has a drive. Well, driving's getting a bit better, but my scores aren't getting better. So how's the putting?" Oh, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Now, as soon as someone says it's okay, guess what? It's not okay, <laughs> generally speaking. So, you know, sometimes we'll use people around them to actually get the, this is going to sound harsh, but the truth. The truth. The truth, the painful truth. And look, the, the association, the tag that happens to you when you knock one out of bounds or in the water or lose a golf ball, we understand that that hurts the game. It hurts your scorecard. But if you're doing that once around, as opposed to not getting anywhere near up and down 10 times around, we know what's going to cause you the most dropped shots when you're playing. So I think you know, the, the ways around this, keeping stats, it can be a little bit boring if you're not used to doing it or don't want to do that. But look, if you want to improve your golf, keep stats, whether it's as simple as doing it on a scorecard, whether it's as simple as just figuring out what clubs you should be hitting into the greens, or whether it's going through technologies now. You know, we use the 18 Birdies app, which is fantastic. You know, the stats that you can get out of that are crazy, yeah. and it will give you full disclosure on what you need to work at. And the app is that good, it'll tell you what you need to work at. But the thing for me is, if, you're, if you have any sort of want to get better at golf, and you spend money on equipment, spend money on lessons, please, 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 just take a little bit of time, a little bit of care to figure out what you actually should be getting better at. Because it might be that the money you spent on that driver and having lessons with it actually made you a little bit better, but if you'd have gone and had a putter fitting and actually worked out how you read greens, then suddenly your game would have improved a lot more. Yeah, that is, and you know, even ask your friends, ask your friends, you know, what they think that your strongest and weakest part of your game is and guarantee your friends will think it's something different to you. Um, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's an eye-opener really when you do ask people what 
um, they, what, that, what you feel, sorry, what they feel your strengths are and weaknesses because it definitely will be different. Yeah, cool. Okay, I, look, I think that's, you know, again, so the take-homes on this are start keeping stats, you know, have a playing lesson with the pro, you know, um, or ask a golfing friend because they will generally have a good idea on what you need to be better at. And you know what? This doesn't necessarily just mean um, technique or what part of the game as well because this brings up another point sort of going back and this, through a conversation yesterday I had with somebody and they said, oh, um, this guy really needs to work on his temper on the golf course. <laughs> and we don't see any temper nope. on, the, on the driving range. Rare. Very, Very rare. We see any temper on the driving range. And then some people will say, well, he's got a terrible temper on the golf course. And we go, oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. He seems so nice he when we so, see him. Yeah, exactly. So things like that can certainly hold you back as well. So again, we don't necessarily see these on the, on the, on the range, but certainly your friends will see these out on the golf course. And uh, even things like that will obviously limit your game as well. Absolutely. Okay, so look, before we finish off uh, today, you know, we could, we could have put loads of things in there, coming. there's still a load more. Um, but before we finish today, obviously we've mentioned Break 100 already. The reason we're mentioning this is because we've only been doing this now for a couple of weeks. 9th of April this launched. The one week. One week, one week. 9th, is it? What's, what's the day today? Oh yeah, just over. Um, you know, the, the, the comments already, people are breaking 100 already, but the comments already, the, how this is being received is amazing. So look, one thing we would say to you, if you are looking to break 100, this is well worth looking at because we've ploughed in all of the information that we have learned over the last 20 years of coaching to really give a structured plan on how you can pinpoint what you need to be better at, but also what you need to do in order to break 100. And the response has been fantastic. So if you guys, any of you guys who are on the programme at the moment, we want to thank you. Um, through this podcast because it has just been extremely satisfying for us to see the response that it has got. This is why we do this. You know, we obviously it's our business, but we absolutely love making golfers better at the sport that they love. So it's just been tremendous, hasn't it, Andy? Yeah, it has. And you know what? Even if you're not looking to break 100 and you want <laughs> a plan to follow, you know, based on the two guys, the single figure handicap guys, yeah. which is amazing. If you want a plan and a good routine and uh, structure to your week, yeah. then this is fantastic. There's loads of things in there that's going to help your ball striking, your accuracy, um, your putting, your green reading, your shot selection around the golf course. There's yep. so many different things that we put into it that actually, if you just follow the plan, if you're even a 15 handicapper, it will give you some benefits. So um, any guys out there, make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com. Check it out. You can actually sign up for free um, and join the website and take a look at it. But um, we promise you, you won't be disappointed. Yep. And if you follow the plan, we are 100% sure that you will see some improvements. We spent weeks planning this, so yeah, yeah. We, we're quite proud of it as well. That's why we want to talk about it. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Okay. Oh, hang on, Mr. Proudman, we yeah, have a quote, we, don't we? We have, to finish, we have to finish with a quote, don't we? And the quote I've got today um, is obviously based on the title. Um, and what mainly one of, the, um, one of the reasons. So this is um, from Hal Elrod, um, and this is, remember the moment, sorry, remember, the moment you accept total responsibility for everything in your life is the moment you claim the power to change anything in your life. So again, remember that's more to do with blaming external things there. You know, think about when you're on the golf course, think about everything that you do is your fault. And as soon as you accept that responsibility, you then have the power to change your game. You have the power. You have the power. He man. <laughs> So we hope you enjoyed the podcast there, guys. We really enjoyed that one. Some great things and discussion points to talk about. And if you just bear those in mind, think about those. And, you know, are you doing any of those? Could you be better at those? 
And also, as we mentioned in the podcast, if your friends are doing any of those, then please share the podcast. Just uh, share it to your friends and uh, you know help people improve. We want to make this an amazing podcast and resource for people to get better. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next Take Charge podcast.